Thank you for listening to the Fearless LA podcast. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. Let's go. It says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I want to tell you today, before we go any further, God has a hope and a future planned for you. And when you leave this place, if you leave with nothing else, you need to leave with that assurity that the Lord is the great architect. He's the great engineer. He is engineering and drawing blueprints for your tomorrow. I know it feels like everything's a mess right now, but you cannot build unless you make some rubble. You have to first create some rubble before you can add to what's on the plans. If you have some rubble in your life today, that's okay. God is up to something. I'm going to try to get into this today. I got a few minutes uh, to share this, and I pray that it comes out how it is in my heart. First Peter 2.9 uh, says this, but you are a chosen race. Come on, somebody say, I'm chosen. So you didn't pick God, God picked you. A holy priest, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies. Come on, that's, that's awesome. That's a great word. The excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Has anybody been called out of darkness today? Come on, you were in some, some black darkness, some dark, dark. You were fumbling around in there, and, and no one else called you out. No pastor, no preacher, no church. God found you in the dark mess, and he wasn't afraid of your mess, and he called you out. And if that's you, come on, let me wave at me. You say, that's me, man. I, and, and I want you to look around at all the hands up. Come on, look around at all the hands up. So if you think you need to be perfect to be in this place, just know we're not perfect. We serve a perfect God who brought us out of a messed up, jacked up, in fact, it could have been on the ride here. He called us out of darkness. Amen. If you traveled on the 405 or the 101, it could have been possible. Amen. God's calling you out of darkness. And then the Bible says he's calling you out. He's made you chosen. You've been chosen. You're royal. You're holy, which simply just means you've been set apart. We, we don't believe the artifacts are holy. We believe you are holy. Our God is holy. You know, a lot of people worship in Mother Mary because she's holy. Well, she was just a person like you. What could God do with your life? He, he, wants you to, he, he wants you to know today you're chosen, you're royal, you're holy. And, and you're not holy alone. You're a holy nation. So we're holy together. God, that person next to you is holy. That person that, you, that you're frustrated at right now is holy. They've been set apart by God. If, if the person next to me has been set apart by God, what right do I have judging them? Right? What right do I have putting them down? What right do I have making them lower they've been set apart by god i'm gonna speak life over them i'm gonna speak joy over them. i'm gonna come on somebody's hearing me i'm gonna speak new okay so we've been we've been chosen we've been we've been we've been we're royal we're a holy nation and we are possessed with god we are we are his possession he owns us no one else he owns us no one else and the, and and he said you're all these things so you can do one thing what is that one thing that God made you all these things so you can do? Do you see that? What does it say? That you, somebody say, that's me, may, you don't have to, it's not forced, um, I did all this, 
I don't know what you're going to do with it, but, but I did it so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, I, I set you apart, I possessed you, I made you holy so that you could worship, so that you could praise, so that you could lift up your voice and say how awesome I am. Come on, do we have any people that have been made holy? Come on, let's let's get that praise out. Come on, let's proclaim. I know I know we complaining about a lot of things, right? We got a lot of problems, but but let's give God some praise in this nightclub today. Oh yeah, yeah. Sit back down. Wait, wait. I don't know if you understand. We're next to the Museum of Death, but but we but God the God that we serve doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people live. I, I, I'm not talking to the museum of death today. I'm not talking to the people that are in their casket today. I'm not talking to the frozen chosen. I'm talking to a group of people that has been called out of darkness and into his mother. Come on, can you just take 30 seconds and stand up to your feet and give God a high praise? Now, hold on for a second. It, notice it doesn't say in here that you may give God a praise if you're real outgoing, if you like are socially not awkward, uh, if you love to be in crowds, or uh, if you're loud, give God a praise. Notice it doesn't say if you're Pentecostal, give God a praise, or if you do church a certain way. No, it just says that you may. You don't have to, but you may. You, you may not, but I, I will. I'm going to take this moment to lift up. A, come on, can we do it one more time? For all the moments, for all the things that have been lifted up in this nightclub, let's lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, you may hear someone next to you yelling real loud, and you're like, oh, man, they're kind of crazy. They're wild over there. Well, hey, don't judge their praise because you don't know what kind of darkness God called them out of. You don't know what. I mean, they're shouting, but you don't know the gap. You might have to ask them, hey, tell me about that praise. Tell me why that's so loud. I heard Robert up here yelling. He's yelling the whole time. I'm like, what's going on? You know why? Because at, at a later age in life, he met Jesus, and he found out he was doing life wrong the whole way, and that as life was trying to take him down, Jesus was trying to give him life, and because of that life, he will praise. Come on, can we have some wild, crazy praisers in the house? Hallelujah. Come on, give five people a high five. You're like, you're at a football game, and your team just won. Come on, I know that's insane. I went to a, I went to a Rams game, and I saw those people. I mean, I'm expecting one day people are going to paint themselves and come to church. <laughs> Whatever color you want, just, and, you know, <laughs> lift up your shirt. We're winning. Praise God. The guys, amen. Praise God. And, and I'm believing that this place should be the most electric. You know, gone are the days of the funeral church. One day we will have a funeral, but hopefully they've been praising at our funeral. I pray, that, I pray that we turn the church back into the church that looked like the first church. And uh, we're going to be pioneers. We're going to be fearless. And we've been talking about the values of the church and, and the values of being great. If we're born for greatness, we got to get some values in our life. we got to get some things. Uh, not, 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 a, not a contract, because a contract tells you where we divorce. It's, it's what we hold up in the court and say, no, you signed this, but we're, we're going to ask God to give us a covenant. We're going to make a covenant with God, and these are why we're going to unite. We're going to unite because we're going to have some values, and we're, we're going to be, we were born for greatness, so we're going to start walking in it. We're going to walk in it, and we're going to be fearless. Amen? 
And so we started talking about these values, and the first value that, that we've put up is that worship is our weapon. So we're going to take a little bit of time here to just talk about this thing of worship. You know, we spend every service, we spend about 20 to 30 minutes singing and, and dancing and shouting and, and, and doing this. And, 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 and that's not really what we're talking about when we talk about worship. That is the act of worship. But we want to live a lifestyle of worship that our life, Monday, we're still worshiping. And while we're typing at the job, we're worshiping. And some of your moms while you're, or dads, while you're changing a diaper, come on, I don't want to leave the dads out. While you're changing that diaper, you're worshiping. The Bible says everything you do, do it as praise unto the Lord. Come on, so there is, there is nothing that you do in this life, including traffic, that you can't praise the Lord in. Now, there are times when I choose not to praise the Lord. But we want to we remind you that worship is, is not your obligation. It's not your duty. It's not your checkbox. It's your weapon. When you're going through it is the best time to worship. Someone said a long time ago, there's two times of worship. When I feel like it and when I don't. And I think most of the time I found I don't feel like it. Because life is not perfect. Life is a mess. Life is difficult. But when you begin to worship in the difficultness, I believe you go from praise to worship. So we don't, we're not saying praise is your weapon. Because praise is just the reflection of what he's doing. But worship is your weapon. We're, we're going to go deeper. Let, let's, let's take a few, a few points here. And, and I, I promise I won't get it all done today. So uh, you'll leave full, but come back next week and there is more in the kitchen. Amen. We'll be here again next week. Worship is our weapon. And then last week, we also talked about the thought that worship protects the throne. Worship sets up a throne for God in our environment. And so we, we brought up the story of Paul and Silas and how they were in jail. They were in prison for doing what was right to do. They were following God. How many of you guys know sometimes you can do the right thing and end up in a worse situation? They were following God, they were doing, and, and they got arrested for doing it. They arrested them, they beat them, they hung them upside down, and at midnight, the Bible says, they begin to praise the Lord. As they begin to worship, the Bible is clear there was an earthquake that was sent to, to the prison. Now, you know, all my life I've heard preachers preach this, that, that their praise broke them out. But I, I want to I insert another thought today that I don't really believe the earthquake was sent to get them out. Because we find in the text, right after they, the earthquake comes, the guard is trying to find everyone there. And Paul and Silas say, hey, you know, don't worry, we're all here. So, so if the earthquake was to send them out, why didn't Paul and Silas run out? They remained and kept on praising. The reason why they were not trying to get out is the earthquake was not sent to get them out. In other words, their praise didn't bring the earthquake their praise brought God. And wherever God shows up, things start shaking. And when the earthquake came, it was because God had showed up in their presence. And not only did God show up, because the Bible says God is near to the brokenhearted. He, he's close to those that are hurting. But it also says that you are enthroned in my praises. God is near you when you go through stuff. God is near you when you're hurting. But he's enthroned when you praise in your hurt. 
He was enthroned that day in that prison. And when he got enthroned in that, in that, in that throne, it removed fear from the throne. It removed anxiety from the, I don't know who's here today and, and what's sitting on the throne of your life. But you have a weapon called praise. And when you begin to praise and worship in the middle of the fire, we know, we know there was three Hebrew boys that went into the fire because they wouldn't bow to the things that were on the throne in their nation. And they said, we won't bow to that. We serve Jesus. And all of a sudden, as they threw him in the fire, they heated up so hot, 10 times hotter, that the guards died while they were throwing them in. And they looked into the king, looked and they said, what's going on in there? Are they dead yet? And they said, no, king. In fact, they're not dead. They're worshiping. But it's weird. Didn't we throw three in? They said, yeah, we threw three in. Why are there four people in the fire? Because their worship enthroned the Lord Jesus in the middle of their fire. I don't know who I came to talk to today. I don't know who's going through a fire right now. I don't know who's going through the fire of divorce. I don't know who's going through the fire of relationship problems. I don't know who's going through the fire of lack. But if you will praise in the middle of that fire, God will turn your fire into a praise party and you won't need him to save you out you will get him to be lord in i want you to be lord in the middle of my fear i want you to be lord in the middle that's why we can say jesus can be worshiped in hollywood in a nightclub because wherever we praise him he's enthroned whatever was enthroned before we walked in this place had to get on down had to leave the throne because when you begin to worship and you begin to lift up a praise and you begin to give and you begin to serve, you begin to bring worship to this house. And wherever you worship, God is enthroned. I don't care who lived in your house before you lived in it. You fill that place with worship. When you fill that place with worship, the anger, the fighting, the backlash, the death has to leave in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. He's enthroned in my praises. Number two, he's enthroned in my praises. It protects the throne. Number three, worship always brings freedom. Notice that Paul and Silas do not run out to get freedom. They stay in. Because wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this. Now the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom freedom. There is freedom in the midst of fear. There is freedom in the midst of pain. There is freedom in the midst of sickness. If the spirit of the Lord is there, there is freedom. You don't have to feel chained today. All you have to do is get unchained on the inside. They could chain you up on the outside, but if you get unchained on the inside, there is nothing that man can do to you. Look, can I tell you this? The devil is not after your car. He's not after your marriage. He's not after your kids. He's not after your 401k. He's not after your job. He's after your praise. If he can take your praise, he takes the freedom out of your pain. I don't know who I'm talking to do. I don't know who came today feeling buried, but praise will dig you out. There is a praise inside you that if you will let it out in the midst of pain, don't wait till you get on the other side. Do it right in the middle and you will watch freedom happen. And let me say this. God is not concerned about your confinement when he gets involved. When he shows up, you even being confined, you are no longer confined. The doors flew open and not even the doors flew open just for Paul and Silas. It flew open for everyone in their sphere. Maybe God allowed you to be in a prison cell 
so you could worship and open the doors for everybody else. Maybe God allowed you to be in a certain job so you can enthrone him in the middle of that place and every wind within earshot of that throne will begin to bow, not to fear, not to anxiety, not to... Why was I born in this family, in this situation, with this sickness? Come on, somebody's catching it. Why was I stuck here? God put you there to set up a throne. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, set up a throne. Touch your other neighbor and say, bring some freedom. And today, my sermon. Number four. Worship is sacrifice. It is not worship. Unless it costs. If it doesn't cost, you're just doing karaoke. If it doesn't cost you, you're just tipping God. If it isn't valuable to you, it's not valuable to God. God does not want our leftovers. Okay. Let me get it. Let me get in this because I know you think I'm just getting excited, but let me just give you some scriptures to back this up. If, if it doesn't cost me, I, I don't want to do it. If it doesn't cost me, it's not worship. It's not worship. See, see, praise, praise and worship are two different things. Come on, somebody say praise. praise. Come on, somebody say it like you mean it. Praise. praise. Someone say worship. worship. Come on, somebody say they're two different things. I know this that everyone can praise. But only few will actually worship. Only few all over the country, all over the world, all over the nation, people will gather and they'll praise. Houses of praise. They'll praise in different ways. Some with the tambourine, some with the microphone, some with an acoustic guitar. Maybe some today praise with the DJ. I don't know how they'll praise, but they will praise in nightclubs and churches and buildings and little places. All over L.A. today, people will praise. It doesn't cost you anything to praise. See, praise is just a reflection of something great someone's done to you. If Robert told me, Pastor, you look great today. It would not cost me anything to then reflect and say, thank you for telling me that. Praise is a reflection of the honor someone has given you. The problem with praise is praise is ultimately about you. It's about the hands of God, not the heart of God. It's about Savior, not Lord. I'm not telling you not to praise. I'm just saying praise is level one. I'm trying to get a group of people that goes to level two. In, in the Old Testament, I talk about praise. Let me, let me give you some words for praise in the Old Testament. Old Testament, uh, there's a lot about praise. But the words for praise are yada. Someone say yada. Yada. Yada, I mean. Yada. Someone say, someone say, someone say praise. In the Old Testament, the word yada means praise. And it simply means to give thanks. Somebody say to give thanks. To confess. Another word for praise in the Old Testament is zamar. Somebody say zamar. And it all, that word translates to praise, to honor, or commend for something that is praiseworthy. So, so the word praise in the Old Testament is, is about commending someone for something great they've done. That's level one. We all can praise because we got breath in our lungs. We all can praise 
because we're still alive. If God gives us nothing else, he gave us breath. He gave us life. And so, so praise level one. You can do it at any level. You can do it when you're going. If, if all of a sudden God meets you and, and, and you didn't have enough money to pay rent and then a check comes in the mail. And you're like, oh, man, pray. And someone's already clapping, thanking God. Like that, was that hard? If, if you got a check in the mail and you've been praying for it and God gives you a check in the mail, how hard is it to praise God in that moment? Oh, you, you got to be an idiot not to. Because maybe he'll send another check. <laughs> praise God. I mean, you get a check in the mail. You pray for healing in your body. You go to the doctor and the cancer is gone. But it's, it's easy to praise when something seems on the outside praiseworthy. When you receive from somebody, it's easy to yada, to zamar, to give praise. So, so all of us can praise. It does, you know, a person doesn't even know Jesus gets blessed by God and they're like, praise God, hallelujah, God's good. But God is calling not for praisers alone. He's looking for worshipers. To worship in the New Testament, in the Greek, is, 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 is the word proskuneo. Somebody say proskuneo. It means to fall down before. It means to bow down before. It's an attitude of the spirit. In fact, in the New Testament, when God talks about worship, not praise, he said there's two things you need to do it. You need the spirit and you need truth. See, I think, I think we got mixed up between praise and worship because we're going to a deeper level. Worship is our weapon, not praise. Praise is a reflection. Worship is our weapon. Worship is when all hell breaks loose against you. Worship is when you pray and the bump doesn't go away. Worship is when you pray and they foreclose your house. Worship is when you love and they reject. Worship is when you go through hell and you bring heaven where hell is. And you lift up a shout. Worship is when life brings you to your knees and you don't know how to get up and you don't know where help will come from and a sound comes out of your spirit. An attitude. That's why God said in the New Testament, those that worship me will worship me in spirit and in... Notice he doesn't say in spirit and in fact. Because we're still waiting to worship because we think it's spirit and in fact. But... Praise is spirit and in fact. It broke out. It happened. It did. So I'll praise him. But worship is when we go. I, I know the facts are in and they are lying to me. They are saying this is how it's going. But I know that I serve a God that does not operate on the facts of this universe. In fact, if he looks at darkness and calls it light, it will change in the middle of his speech. In fact, if he looks at chaos and calls it order, it will shift not based on facts, but based on truth. I'm going to worship in spirit and in so what's the truth over my life God is for me he's chosen me he's made me holy he's predestined me he set me apart so no matter what apartment kicks me out I am still holy no matter what person rejects me I am still holy I am still blessed I am still healed I am still whole so I will I will proskuneo I will praise him I'm not waiting for it to get perfect. I'm praise on this side. You see, you see, praise will bring you out. 
Praise brings you out. The grace of God brings you out. But worship will take you in. Praise will bring you out, but worship will take you in. The people of God, God came to them and they're in slavery for 400 years. And God says, I have a land flowing with milk and honey. I have everything for you. You don't have to be slaves anymore. And everyone said, praise God, I want to go. We've been waiting a long time. They got all everyone together and they begin to march out of Pharaoh's hands. And they begin to walk to their freedom. But how many guys know that there was a big journey ahead of them? And in the journey, not even a couple of days in, they hit something called the Red Sea. And I know we know about the Red Sea now, but they didn't have the story then. They didn't know about sea splitting with staffs. All they knew is that the Red Sea was a problem that threatened their promise. And when they got to the sea, all of them that wanted to go and were plumped up, and they were singing praise because God set them free. He broke the chains. He was Savior. But he was working on them understanding he was Lord. He allowed them to come to the Red Sea because unless there's a Red Sea, you cannot discover his Lordship. And they got to the Red Sea and they started complaining. They got, they got to la the, the lack of rent and they started complaining. They got to people hurting them and they started complaining. They got, got to life's not fair and they started complaining instead of praising. And they said, God, did you bring us out here to die? It was, we had it better in the slaves' hands. It's funny how when you hit a problem, you'll even start believing lies that you know aren't true. Man, I had it better back there. It would have been nice just to stay where I was at. I mean, this is difficult up here. God didn't promise you that it wouldn't be difficult. He promised you the land. And they get to the Red Sea. They get to the Red Sea. And no one praises except for Moses. He does what God says. Because the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. And he's obedient. The sea, the, the sea splits and they go on the other side. Guess what happens right when they get on the other side? And the sea closes over and their enemies and their enemies wash up on the shore. Miriam goes, ah, praise God. She gets out of tamarind. She starts shaking it around. Come on, folks. Come on. We knew God would do it. We knew he would come through. You know who Miriam was? She was the complainer on the other side. And God never moved her from praiser to worshiper. God was constantly trying to move them from being only a praiser to a worshiper. One that is able to make him Lord, not just Savior. They get to the promised land, and two of the spies are worshipers. Ten of them are praisers. They get to the land, it's flowing with milk and honey, it's everything God promised, but there's giants there, there's problems there. God hasn't done it all for us. God left some problems so we could remember that he was Lord. And two of them said, oh yeah, they, they are giants, but my God eats giants for breakfast. Come on, do you know what kind of God we serve? They begin to praise with their words, they begin to stir up, they begin to fall down to their knees and say, God, you're great, God, you're big, God, you're powerful. And out of all 12, only those two would end up in the land. Because praise brings you out, but worship will take you into the promise God has for you. If you never learn how to worship, look, somebody else can't worship for you. Only you can worship for you. See, praise is corporate, but worship is individual. Worship is personal. Worship is my thing. I don't need you to worship for me because I need to fall down and make him Lord of my situation. You can praise him for what you got. He's going to bless us corporately, but he sees me individually. 
He knows what I'm going through. He's our Savior, but he's my Lord. Why? Because he's a Lord of something different for all of us. What is he Lord over for you? Maybe for you, he's your healer. Maybe for you, he, he's your rescuer. Maybe for you, maybe you haven't been rescued yet, but he's trying to show himself faithful in that to you today. I don't know what you're in today, but I know that there is a praise that won't get you out. But if you find the deep wells of your spirit to grab a hold of truth, the Bible says, let his praises continually be on my lips. That, that the praises of my lips are as fruit. I want to read that through Jesus, Hebrews 13, 15, through Jesus. Therefore, let us continually offer God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that is openly professing your name. Praise is fruit, not seeds. The seed we worship in spirit and in truth. You know what the word of God is? It's your seed for the fruit that's coming. You ever seen someone there going through something, they're just praising? You're like, how'd they get that? They didn't work that up. They planted the seed of his word in their heart. And seeds, if they're watered enough and surrounded with enough manure, become fruit. See, when you see someone praising, don't think they started there. It started five months ago as they got a word from God and they buried that. They hid that word in their heart and they said, God, there's see, look, a lot of people turn their body, but never turn their spirit to turn your spirit. You got to take the seed of his word. You got to begin to play everything I'm preaching. Today, you grab these scriptures. You take them home with you. You plant them deep in your heart. You say, God, help me to live that and watch when trouble comes, when trials come, you will hold on to that word. That word from God will be a word in your mouth but it will change. It will transform. It will be fruit that has new seeds. Worship is fruit. If you want to have worship, you got to plant a seed. Many people are like, man, why can't I worship? Well, you, you keep neglecting the seed. You just got soil. You just got manure. You just got an empty field. Allow the seed to go deep. Come on, get the word of God in your heart. Plant it deep in there. Worship is the fruit of those seeds. Worship has to cost. David's, David's in the Bible coming and he's bringing the ark of God back to the, to the house of God. And every couple of steps he would sacrifice a bull and he, he, he would offer a praise to God. And, and he gets to this one house and he has nothing to give. So he finds a man in the town and he says, hey, can I, can, I, can I purchase from you some of your grain to give God a sacrifice? Can I purchase from you your best bulls? And uh, you, can, I, you, can I purchase from you some of your land to make an altar? And the guy, it's his king. So he says, oh, king, I mean, you can have all of it. You can have the seed. You can have the bull. It will cost you anything. And David looks at him with an attitude and says, no, I will not give to the Lord what costs me nothing. Charge me full price. When's the last time you walked into somewhere in there? It's like it's on sale. They're going to give it to you. You've got all the coupons. And you look at the guy and say, No. I want to pay full price. Your wife's like, have you lost it? This is strange what David does, unless there's something in his words that praise may be free, but worship must cost. I want to pay full price for my worship. There's another story in the Bible, and I end with this, of a woman who has been set free from Jesus. And she shows up into the house uninvited. 
She was uninvited because she was a prostitute. But Jesus wasn't afraid of her sin. He healed her. He gave her a second chance. But the disciples were sitting around. They had grown used to Jesus. They were good at praising, but they had not yet learned how to worship. And this woman, isn't it interesting that women are usually quicker to worship than men? I'm thankful for the women in my life that taught me how to worship. I'm thankful for the women in my life, just like in the Bible. It wasn't a man who came to the tomb first. It was a woman. Because the men had lost their praise. Because their promise was dead. But the women kept on worshiping. They showed up to the tomb because they were going to worship through the pain. It was a woman that day that had been healed from a lot. That she said, man, I'm still going through it. She brought what she called her alabaster bottle. Which was perfume that was worth a life saving. She, she had not invested in banks or stocks. She had put her life's wealth into a little bottle of perfume. It was all she had. The Bible says she snuck up on Jesus, wasn't invited to the party. And when she got to him, she sprayed a little. It was expensive. It cost a lot. This is, this is a spice bomb from Victor Rodoff. It's $82 for three ounces. So, I mean, don't blame me. It's only gonna, it's just gonna hit the atmosphere and be gone. No one will notice. I'm not even invited here, so I'm just gonna. She came, she came up to Jesus, she just prayed a little on him. And if you read the word, she takes the whole bottle and breaks it. I'm not gonna break this, it's not mine. It would cost me nothing. She takes what cost her everything, she breaks it, and she pours the perfume over Jesus. And Jesus takes notice of the woman. And notice, he does not call her prostitute. He calls her daughter. Why? Because sons and daughters understand that worship is next to lordship. That when we, when we, look, God, God does not want your leftover sprays. Here you go. You know, we we keep giving God leftovers. Come here, Carlos. I really want to bless you, man. I just, I love you. Come here, come here, man. I'm so thankful for you. I bought this for you, but I did eat a little bit. Um, I ate some of the chicken. I ate, um, they were really good. I mean, I just, I needed to make sure that I got mine before I gave you yours. I'm giving you the leftovers because I don't know if I gave you it first, if I would have enough. So first, I'm going to pay my bills. First, I'm going to make sure I have enough time for my career. First, I'm going to make sure I, I do what I need to do. And then, God, the extra. When I get done with college, then I'll serve you. When I, when I finally settle down, I'll serve. When I get things settled, I'll go. I'll give you the leftovers of my life because I really want to be a worshiper. But for right now, I'm going to praise. And here you go, God. I hope you're really blessed by this. I mean, I hope you enjoy that chicken. Oh, you don't want it. You don't want it. You sure? I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm just a little bit sick. I, did, I have the flu. In fact, this was from three days ago. I kept it for an extra three days just in case I would make sure I didn't have any extra bills or extra stuff. I just kind of reserved it because my worship's still kind of selfish. I really hope you feel blessed and loved. I love you, Jesus. No, you don't. You love you. We love our stomach. 
We love our life. This is why the Bible says, unless you're willing to lose your life, you cannot find it. You say, well, no, God's not like that. Well, look at the story of Cain and Abel. One son brings, the Bible says, in the process of time, brings the leftovers of what God gave him. And the Bible says God does not accept his sacrifice because it wasn't a sacrifice. The other one brings the first of what he has. And one's mad. One brother's mad at the other's worship. And God says, why are you mad? If you did what is right, wouldn't I accept it? Carlos is like, hey, why are you mad that I wouldn't eat your food? If you just gave me a new one, I would eat it. And here we come to God. God, I got some leftover time. I'm really busy because I'm here in Hollywood trying to make it and trying to be a superstar. I hope you'll bless my career. God's like, I'm not blessing, any, blessing anything. I got you out. I'm not getting you in. Because worship takes you in. Praise brings you out. If you don't learn how to worship, you ain't never getting in. I want to be a person that lives in all that God has for me. I want to give him a sacrifice that costs me something. I want it to cost me. I want it to be too difficult. God, you are worth. And no matter what cost I give, he is worth it. He's worth every drop. He's worth every hour. He's worth every moment. Hasn't he given us so much? Yet we hold back. I'll give you a spray. But I'm holding on. How, how's that been for you? It's been really fearful and really been praising a lot. Well, worship is your weapon. And you know, one of the guys leaned over at that table. The woman broke the bottle and one of the guys leaned over. You know what his name was? Judas. And he said, I can't believe she broke that over you. We could have sold that and given it to the poor. And Jesus says, the poor you always have with you, but me, you only have for a moment. In other words, it's always the Judas looking over the shoulder of the worshiper going, you don't got to do all that. You don't got to give that much. You don't got to serve that much. Oh, are you crazy? God doesn't require all that. It's always the Judas and they're putting a good reason. God wants you to live your life. No, no. God wants you to give up your life. He wants you to lay down your life. He laid down his life so we could pick ours up. No, he laid down his life so we could follow him. Come on. God is looking for some worshipers under the sound of my voice. Come on. Let your hands be like the evening sacrifice today. I don't know what you're going through, but there are two times to worship when you feel like it and when you don't. Thank you for listening. If you have something you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or to find more information about Fearless LA.